We're in Genesis chapter 21 this morning. We'll be looking at the first 21 verses. Um, it's a difficult passage as we get into it. And Abraham is called to be obedient to God. And it has to cause him pain, but that doesn't relieve him of being obedient to God. But Abraham and Sarah, they're now living in that year before the birth of Isaac. And Genesis is not written in perfect chronological order. In chapter 20, it dealt with Abraham and Sarah traveling south towards Egypt down to the region of Gerar. And Abimelech comes upon Abraham and his encampment and all of his servants. And in a show of power, Abimelech takes Sarah into his harem. Now, Abimelech is simply another word for king. You could say king versus Abimelech. But in, in the second part of chapter 21, we will read of another, a different Abimelech. But Abimelech of Gerar, he has been warned by God in a dream. And he's been told by God that he is a dead man for taking Sarah, Abraham's wife, into his harem. And God makes his point to Abimelech by giving him an incurable disease. That would tend to get your attention. You know, okay, I've had this dream. But then God gives you this incurable disease, and you go, wow, this definitely was of the Lord. And it gets Abimelech's attention, to say the least, but in the dream, Abimelech goes on and on debating back and forth with God about how Abraham has deceived him. And Sarah, she went along with this deceit. And Abimelech, he kind of rants and carries on about uh, how innocent he is. You know, we can claim we're innocent with one another, but it's hard to go before God and claim you're innocent. And you want to say to Abimelech, hey, wait a minute, Abimelech. You have an incurable disease directly from the hand of God, and you're claiming to be innocent. <laughs> Abimelech has been told by God that Abraham must pray for him. This prophet Abraham must pray for him. Otherwise, he's going to die. He's going to be a dead man. And so, on the one hand, you have Abimelech chastising Abraham and Sarah for them deceiving him or lying to him. But then he quickly turns that corner and Abimelech now gives Abraham gifts. <laughs> because he's hoping to get on the good side of this prophet because his Healing hinges upon Abraham praying for him. And, you know, it's hard to be mean to a man or strict to a man that his prayers are going to be your saving factor. <laughs> and he's quick to give Abraham gifts. 
It's interesting. You have to almost imagine how would have Abimelech treated Abraham and Sarah if he didn't need the prayers of Abraham, if he hadn't been warned by God in that dream. And uh, you kind of think Abimelech might have been ruthless with him. But Abimelech, he has claimed that he is innocent before God of any sinful behavior. God has a take on that. And God says to Abimelech, I kept you from sinning. Don't act self-righteous before me, Abimelech. I'm the one who prevented you from going into Sarah. And it's difficult for us to be self-righteous before God. And because it is difficult for us to be self-righteous before God, we will sometimes do what Abimelech did, and we will blame others or make excuses for my own sin. Years ago, my youngest son, he was around 12 years old or so, and he had been naughty. That's an English word, I guess, naughty. <laughs> he had been naughty. <laughs> And I began to ask him a series of questions, like, why did you do this? What were you thinking? And I finally got him narrowed down, and his final answer to me was, Dad, I don't have a good answer for that one. And I thought, yeah, there you are. That's what I wanted to get you down to. <laughs> and now, I'm not. If we could only be that honest with God, I don't have a good excuse for my sin, God. It was not because of my wife. It was not because of the circumstances that I sinned. I sinned because I'm a sinner. I have to think that would be a little more refreshing to God than us making excuses. David was confronted by Nathan the prophet when he had committed the sin of adultery and murder against Bathsheba and Uriah. David's reply shows you why David is considered a man after God's own heart. And David says, against you, God, and you alone have I sinned. And you see this heart in David that cries out for that right relationship between him and God. The prophet Abraham must pray for Abimelech, and when he does pray for Abimelech, God heals him. And God also heals Abimelech's wives and his maidservants because God had shut up the wombs of all those in uh, the household of Abimelech. And when we look at this, it's easy for us to see that behind the scene there is Satan trying to pollute the lineage of Christ which will come through Sarah's son Isaac. And you see Satan trying to get in there and pollute this uh, the womb of Sarah and God won't allow it. But in the Old Testament Isaac who is, will be born when we get into our passage here Isaac is a type of Jesus in the Old Testament. Isaac and Jesus have miraculous births. Both 
were born at God's appointed time. Isaac and Jesus were both named before they got here, before they're born. Both Isaac and Jesus are sons of promise. And both of these babies were a great joy, not only to their mothers, but to their nation. So let's read Genesis chapter 21, 1 through 21. And the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. And she also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born, uh, had born to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice, for in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I have made a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water. Putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar, and he sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. For she said to herself, Let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of the Lord, uh, angel of God rather, called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him with your hand, for I have made him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and she filled the skin with water. And she gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. And this basically ends our study of Ishmael and Hagar. But in verse 1, God visits Sarah, opens her womb, and she conceives and she is only 90 years old. 
you have to let that sink in a little bit. She's 90, and she becomes pregnant, just as God said she would. God has uh, special plans for Abraham and Sarah and, and for Isaac for there to be the parents of a child that's to be a people, a nation separated to God. Through Isaac, the Jewish nation is born. The Jews, they are God's chosen people. They are to be a light to the world. Salvation up until the time of Christ was through the Jewish nation and through the law and through the people. And the Jewish people are to be a light to the world. It has took 25 years for God to get Sarah and Abraham in a position to get them ready to receive the gift of a son. And that son they name Laughter. What a name for a child. And when Isaac, when laughter is eight days old, Abraham circumcises him as according to God's uh, plan. And Sarah and her shame of being barren is removed. And we read of her joy in verse 6. She is very happy. And she says, God has made me to laugh. So all who hear will not laugh at me, but they will laugh with me. A great difference there. And Sarah, she is more than delighted to have a son. And, of course, she calls him Isaac. You can't help but wonder, would Sarah have appreciated Isaac if, say, he would have been born to her when she was half of 90, 45? Even that would have been old, right? But would she have appreciated this God-sent son if he would have been born to her in a normal way? I doubt it. Sometimes God has to take us through many circumstances for us to appreciate what he is doing in our life. But the birth of Isaac, it's removed that Stigma, that label of shame that has hovered over Sarah all her life. Because in that culture and in that day, if you were childless, you were looked upon as second rate. And Sarah is extremely happy and proud to be a mother. Verse 7 tells us this. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son. In his old age, she's not old, she's only 90. And for several years, the home, the house of Abraham, at least on the surface, appears to be going along okay. But Isaac grows, and it comes time for him to be weaned from his mother, to be weaned from Sarah. And this is a special occasion for Abraham. And he makes a great feast, 
to celebrate the growth of his son, the growth of Isaac. Now, in that culture and in that day, a child would be weaned much later in life than we wean a child today. I honestly read where one commentator said that perhaps Isaac was 12 years old. Isaac, give me a break. I'm not going for that. But he probably was around three years old when he was weaned. Uh, we wean much earlier today, but we have Gerber's baby food, don't we? So we're okay. Isaac, again, he's probably about three years old, maybe a little older. And it's at this feast that has been thrown by Abraham for Isaac, this party, this joyous occasion that honors Isaac, that Ishmael chooses wrong time, bad timing Ishmael, who is, he's probably about 16, and he scoffs at Isaac. Ishmael is probably jealous of Isaac, and he perhaps even taunts him as a brother will taunt another brother. And he probably says, why don't you run to mommy, little brother, and see what she has for you? Oh, that's right. You've been weaned. You know, you know how a brother can be. <laughs> but this is a bad move for Ishmael. <laughs> for Mama Bear Sarah sees and hears what Ishmael is saying. She sees his scoffing. And she goes right to Abraham and she says, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, Ishmael. Listen to her words. They're not just iffy. They're strong words. Ishmael shall not be heir with Isaac. Sarah has put her foot down. And here's the problem. Here's the dilemma with this. God is in agreement with Sarah. A God is right there with Sarah Perhaps God is even prompting Sarah to go to Abraham and say this. God wants Isaac and Ishmael separated. The son of the bondwoman will not be heir with Isaac. Now this devastates Abraham. And we can understand why. This is Ishmael is his son. And in verse 12, we read, God says to Abraham, Do not let this be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of Hagar, the bondwoman. Don't let it upset you, Abraham. And you go, Wow, yeah, how do you do that, God? And then he says, Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her and do it. For in Isaac, your gift of a son, your seed shall be called. It's in Isaac that the promise comes, Abraham, not Ishmael. So what do we see here? We see sin has come full circle. And here at this feast, this what should be the very joyous occasion of uh Isaac being weaned from his mother, Abraham is 
receives this devastating news from Sarah and from the Lord. Now, we know the story of Sarah. We know that she went to Abraham and offered Hagar, her maidservant, to Abraham for the purpose of producing children. And how Sarah must have regretted that all the days of her life. And we also know that Abraham was more than willing to go into Hagar and be part of this sin. Abraham and Isaac, uh, Abraham and Sarah, no doubt wished they could go back and undo this whole situation. But here stands Ishmael, and he's scoffing at the child of promise. And that has to be extremely painful for Sarah. Sarah says, cast her out, her and the bond, the bondwoman and her son. And it says, Abraham is displeased. That's probably saying it mildly. But so is God. God is displeased at this because the promised child is Isaac. And here stands the bondwoman's son, Ishmael, scoffing at the child of promise. And how difficult it had to be for Abraham to consider Sarah's words. And not only that, God is behind Sarah's words. The family of Abraham, they're having a meltdown. You can see it. The pain for Sarah is great as she sees Ishmael scoff at her son. The pain for Abraham, he's got to split up his family by the word of God and by the word of Sarah. Hagar and Ishmael, they're also in pain because they're being rejected. They're being cast out. And the pain that is brought about through disobedience of Sarah and Abraham, it all could have been avoided. It never had to be. And now God tells Abraham, listen to Sarah and do as she says. God has allowed Hagar and Ishmael to be part of Abraham's house for a few years. At least probably 16 or so. It was not the best solution. You know there had to be strife there. And now everything has finally come to a head. Hagar and Ishmael must depart. And it tears out the very heart of Abraham. What father could endure this? But it's God's plan. The pain of Abraham is without a doubt overwhelming. And again, I just point this out. This is a graphic picture of sin coming to maturity. Way back, Abraham and Sarah wanted to help God through Hagar. And it was sinful. And now they're paying the price of that sin. 
But Abraham has one thing. He has God's promise that he will take care of Ishmael. And he will make out of him a nation. And that is his only comfort. The only comfort Abraham has is God will watch out for Ishmael. And for Abraham, up until this point in his life, this is the most difficult trial of obedience in his life. He will later have to offer up Isaac. But right now he's got to offer up Ishmael. And you know it hurts. You know it tears him up. But God, he will take care of Ishmael, and he tells Abraham this. But like any good father, Abraham wants to take care of his own son. And so all he's able to do is give him a skin of water and some bread and send him out into the wilderness, and soon that water and bread is used up. And Hagar, seeing that they're out of water and they're out of bread, she separates herself from Ishmael. She cannot bear to watch her son die, and she goes and it puts, puts Ishmael under the shade of a bush. And then she returns a little distance away from it, and she begins to weep. But remember, when Hagar become pregnant with Ishmael, she was full of pride. And it says she despised Sarah. Sarah became despised in her eyes when she became pregnant by Abraham. But now Hagar is weeping and she's full of sorrow. You see, Hagar is not innocent. She's not an innocent victim in this whole scene. Ishmael, he's in his middle teens. He now faces death out in the wilderness, and he's all alone. But Ishmael isn't innocent either. He has scoffed at the son of promise. Now, we make light of that today, perhaps. But it's not a light offense. We happen to live in a world today that scoffs at the living God. You notice it all around you. You Christians don't really believe in the Bible, do you? <laughs> you wouldn't be that foolish, would you? And we endure scoffing by the world upon our Lord all the time around us, and it is not a small thing. Never take it lightly. Now look at the wording in verse 17. God heard the words, or the voice rather, of the lad, Ishmael. Sarah's weeping, but God heard the words of the lad. And we have the angel of the Lord calling to Hagar, What ails you, Hagar? And then he tells her, Fear not. For God has heard the voice of the lad, and he knows where he is. God has brought Ishmael at a young age 
to a place of prayer. Ishmael is praying. And he prays to God. He's crying out to God, and God hears him. Angel of the Lord goes to Hagar and tells her, Go to your son and hold him, for I will make him a great nation. God has the ability, has the authority, the power to change our environment and our circumstances. Look at the change that Hagar and Ishmael have went from Abraham's house out into the wilderness. Now God's about to provide for them. God also has the ability to humble us. To humble us before himself. God would not let Abimelech act all righteous. He said, Abimelech, I kept you from sinning. Don't act righteous before me. Ishmael, he knows enough about the God of his father Abraham to cry out to him out there in the wilderness. What a lesson we see here. Young person, parent. We could be in a most desperate or difficult place we can be out in the wilderness dying of thirst. I recommend cry out to God just like Ishmael did. Cry out to God. Sometimes God has to reduce us down to where he is the only answer to our situation, to our problem. He and he alone can bring a solution. It's hard for us to read this and understand the, the very difficult conditions of Hagar and Ishmael and to realize that they are directly from God. They are out in the wilderness because God said to Abraham, listen to Sarah and put them out. That's difficult. That's hard. That seems cruel to us. But God is working in the lives of Hagar. He is working in the life of Ishmael, totally apart and separate from Abraham. Know this. God works in each of our lives as an individual. There are no corporate salvations. There are no church salvations. We don't come to God as a group. We come to God one-on-one -on -one as always. Just like Ishmael is out there under a bush crying out to God and God hears him. Abraham as a father, he had to make an extremely hard and difficult decision to put out his son to obey God, to send Hagar and to send Ishmael out into that wilderness where if God doesn't intervene, they will die. And that had to hurt Abraham tremendously. Sometimes it will appear that God is being hard or difficult or even cruel to us 
as a believer. And I can only tell you, as a Christian, as one of God's children, you too will have to make difficult decisions in life where nobody understands except God. You will be misunderstood. But know this, God is very capable of protecting and providing. It seems like all we see is severe pain in this whole story. And we're prone to think that God's requirement for Abraham to put out Hagar and Ishmael, well, it's too hard, it's too difficult. But God makes no apology for doing it. We don't read in God felt bad because he had to tell Abraham. To, no, we don't read that for a moment. God makes no apology for judging sin. And that's what it comes down to. And he makes no apology for doing what is right. So I encourage you, never shrink back from the difficult decisions that you will have to make in life. As a parent, you have to make difficult decisions with your children sometimes. Don't shrink back from it. Embrace it. Because God is wanting to work in that child's life just like God wanted to work in Ishmael's life, apart from Abraham. And there he is out in the wilderness, and Ishmael is crying out to God, and God hears him. And Ishmael... He's a ripe old age of 16, probably, right around 16. And God has told him, put him out. Wow. That's tough. It'd be tough for any father to do this. But by faith and obedience to God, Abraham obeys. And we know that God heard the cries of the lad out there under a bush. And God has promised to bless him. And God has promised to make him into a nation. And then we see God's provision. Hagar's eyes are opened, and she discovers that she is by a well of water out there in the desert. Why didn't Sarah see us there? Why didn't Hagar see that water before? I think God created it just for her. Says here. I'll give you a well of water. I will provide for you, Hagar. And we see God providing for Hagar and Ishmael just by developing, bringing forth a stream of water, a well of water. Ishmael goes on. He does become a nation. Ishmael, it says he learns to be an archer. Therefore, he provides for his mother. And then the story, Genesis, basically leaves Hagar and Ishmael. But know this, God provided for them. And it's interesting to me that God would hear the prayers of Ishmael and provide for him. It's interesting because Ishmael is the son of the bondwoman. Not supposed to be, quote-unquote, a believer. 
but God takes care of him and provides for him. That's encouraging because as believers, God will take care of you. You may have to make some difficult decisions. You may have to go against the flow. You may have to go to an area where no one understands what you are doing. I have been told in my life <laughs> when I tried to explain to someone that I was trying to follow God, they said, God didn't say that to you. Well, thank you very much. I thought he did. <laughs> you know, I was under the illusion he had spoke to me. And God proved himself to be my provider. I can only say to you, people are not going to always understand the stand you have to take, the difficult decisions you will have to make, perhaps as a parent, perhaps as a student, perhaps as just being a Christian in everyday life, we, we will be misunderstood. It's that simple. Don't let it sway you away from being faithful to God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let me get you to stand and we'll pray. Father God, we see as we read this story about <clears throat> the pain that sin brought about in Abraham's life and Sarah's life and Hagar and Ishmael and all those involved. So, Lord, let us be wise when it comes to opening ourselves up to sin. We ask that you, by your Spirit, would protect us, Lord, from making foolish mistakes or decisions. But, Lord, we also have the great promise of how you heard Ishmael as he's crying in the wilderness there. And you, you came and you rescued him and you provided for him. And, Lord, you, we want you to be our provider. As we face hard times and difficult times, come alongside of us, Lord, and comfort us. Bring up that well of water that may be right next to us without us even knowing it, Lord. And give us those times of refreshing that come from you. Watch over us. Take care of us, Lord. And we thank you for being our Lord and our God and being our great provider. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.